don't know if you remember or not, but we're in the middle of a series. It's up there on the, uh, on the pallet wall, Love Is, and uh, we are diving into just the second one uh, in this list in 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, as we do that, I want to tell you a story that I, uh, that I heard again recently about a woman who was standing at a bus stop. Uh, she had just cashed her tax refund check. It was uh, that season of the year. She's carrying more money than usual and was a little uh, uh, anxious about that. Um, and she glanced around and she noticed this man kind of at the other end uh, of the bench there uh, at the bus stop. And he looked a little, I guess you'd say, sketchy. And uh, he was a little bit shabbily dressed. And uh, he was, he, as she watched... Um, you know, she was she was just a little bit more conscious about what she had there and the, this this extra these extra funds that she had on her. But as she watched this man, she saw someone else uh, go up to him and uh, hand him some money and kind of whisper in his ear. And as she witnessed that, she felt immediately uh, convicted about this kindness that she saw someone else give to this man who was obviously down on his luck. And so she, uh, uh, in, a, in a spontaneous, spur-of-the-moment uh, uh, act of generosity, she reached into, that, uh, into her purse where she had that extra cash. She pulled out a $10 bill, and she went over to the man, and she handed it to him, and she patted him on the back and said, never despair, never despair. The next day, she's at the same bus stop, and she just so happened to look down at the other end of the, the bench, and there's this man again, only this time... He came up to her, and he handed her an envelope, and it had $110 in it. And she said, well, what is this? And he said, you won, lady. Never despair. Paid out 10 to 1. Now, I'm not saying that kindness will always pay back tenfold. Uh, what I am saying is that, uh, that we need to uh, step out and do uh, kind things for us. You've, you've had that thought before. You see someone in need, you go, ah, you feel that urge or that nudge to, uh, to do something, to, to help someone. There are needs all around us, and I think that we would agree that it is good to be kind to people. Uh, I grew up in, uh, in, in an age where, uh, where kindness was encouraged almost on a weekly basis, uh, perhaps you remember this, be kind, rewind, probably haven't seen that in a few years couple of years, uh, this, this kindness was encouraged by uh, mid-80s, those of you that weren't born yet will fill you in, uh, that is a VHS tape the brand new technology of the mid-80s that lasted for about 10 or 12 years, right? Uh, and, and you'd go down to the, here's another ancient term, the blockbuster video store, and uh, you could rent, a, well, you could also rent a VCR. I remember renting the big thing before you had the VCR of your own. And, uh, and, and anyway, you always had the thing on there, be kind, rewind. And so you were encouraging you uh, so that the next person or the blockbuster employee uh, didn't have to rewind the movie. Uh, you, 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 we, you would do it for them. It was just a simple act of kindness, right? Don't, no need to do that anymore. We don't have to be kind in that way because there aren't any, well, there might be a couple VHS tapes. Um, we had our video, or our, our wedding on a VHS tape. I think I recorded over it. No? Nick's first week of life I recorded over. Okay, good. Probably, probably had to get, you know, just had to get, uh, you know, some records. So anyway, 
Pray for me. Um, when I think of the words, love is kind, uh, written there in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, the, uh, the, the, the Apostle Paul is probably meaning going a little deeper than pressing the rewind button and taking an extra 90 seconds with your VHS tape. Uh, we've, been, we've been looking at uh, what real love looks like in the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13. It describes God's kind of love. I, I want to read that, that uh, four, four plus verses uh, uh, there in first, right in the middle in 1 Corinthians 13 to remind us uh, what, we're, what we're talking about here. Uh, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. The second one there is where we're at today. Love is kind. Uh, this is how God loves us. We, we can see this played out uh, because we know that, uh, that, that God is love and therefore God is kind. Uh, just a few verses that, uh, that talk about that. Jeremiah 9.24, let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth, for in these I delight Isaiah 63, 7, I will tell you of the kindnesses of the Lord, the deeds for which he is to be praised according to all the Lord has done for us. Yes, the many good deeds he has done for Israel according to his compassion and many kindnesses. Titus chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Romans 2, 4, do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience? Not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. Because God is love, God is kind. If you are allowing God to develop his love in you, then you are kind. A couple weeks ago, if you can remember back that far, we started with the first one, love is patient. I, I don't know, you don't have to testify whether you've had opportunities to exhibit patience over the last two weeks. I'm assuming that you have because I've been praying that you would. You can thank me later. Patient, love is patient. And we said, when we, when we pray for patience, we're not just going to be zapped patience. We're, we're going to be given opportunities where we can practice it and develop it and exercise that muscle, so to speak. And so uh, love is patient. Love is kind. So let's look into it because kindness uh, just kind of seems like, well, okay, this is kind of sermon light this morning. Be kind. Let's, uh, let's do that and move on. Uh, let's, let's be nice. I, I think we're going to, I hope we're going to find out over the next few minutes that it's a little bit more than that. The, the Hebrew word for kindness and, and, just so you know, I'm going into Hebrew and Greek and a couple of times in Greek, and I'm really not going to say it right, but you don't know any different, so I shouldn't have said all that. But uh, anyway, uh, hesed is, uh, is the Hebrew word for kindness. It means loving kindness or steadfast love. In Greek, it's krestos, which means gracious, pleasant, useful to others, or it means to care for something or someone. So in both the Old and the New Testaments, when it's talking about 
kindness, uh, it, it really means there's, there's two different components to kindness. Uh, first of all, there's an inner disposition of compassion or mercy that leads to an outward act that is meant to benefit someone. So uh, it's, a, it's an inward disposition of compassion that leads to an action. Uh, love in action, I guess, uh, is, is one way we could define Kindness. It's what we do when we express love. Uh, so if we say maybe patience is our attitude of love, then kindness is how we act on it. Uh, love is patient. Love is kind. I, I said that the, he, the, the Greek word for, uh, for kindness is krestos. It's very similar for the Greek word for Jesus, for Christ, which is Christos. And so in the early days of the church, people started calling this new Jesus group, the church, they started calling them Christians. Based on that word, Christos uh, means little Christs or followers of Christ. But partially because the words sounded so much alike and partially because of how they behaved, many people, instead of calling them Christians, were calling them Christians. Based on this word for kindness, meaning the kind ones. Their kindness was setting them apart, drawing people to Jesus. William Barclay once said, more people have been brought into the church by the kindness of real Christian love than by all the theological arguments in the world. Not saying theological arguments aren't important, but the kindness, grassroots, uh, down where the rubber meets the road kind of thing is what really, uh, is, is how people experience love. A great way to see uh, what kindness looks like uh, is, uh, is, is in a story that Jesus told, and, and it's a story that you're probably familiar with, the story of the Good Samaritan. Whether you've been in church much or not, you've probably at least heard the term Good Samaritan. The guy's pretty famous. Uh, for, for years, uh, people have named hospitals after him right? Uh, or good deeds are done in his name and attributed to him every day. The, a good Samaritan stepped in and did this, right? Uh, it, it, but it, the, the story that Jesus told wasn't really just about good deeds, but is really Jesus addressing what does love look like? Love is kind. And so I want us to look at that. It's, it's Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. And uh, an expert of the law came to kind of trick Jesus and ask him some stuff. And, and out of that came this story. So, so we'll read the, uh, a little bit there as we, as we get into it. Uh, ver, beginning verse 25, Luke chapter 10. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I'm going to pause right there. There is a flaw in that question. You can't do anything to inherit something. You don't earn an inheritance. It's based on a relationship, right? So, so uh, the, there's a flaw in that question from the very beginning. I'm not sure that that's, you know, uh, that, that's free today. We'll just throw that in. doesn't have much to do with kindness. It's just there. Uh, it, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus answered, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. 
A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So this man uh, comes to Jesus, says, what do I do to inherit eternal life? It's a flawed question. We already talked about that. Uh, So then Jesus says, well, what does the law say? And this man quoted two very well-known verses from from what we know as the Old Testament, the the, the book of the law. uh, In Deuteronomy 6, 5, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And Leviticus 19, 18, love your neighbor as yourself. It's the essence uh, of... uh, the essence then of, uh, of what he himself responds in in, in that uh, in that faith is is inheriting etern- in in, et- in inheriting eternal life. It's not so much based on what I do, but it's based on my relationship with God and my relationship with other people. He's he's basically saying that back, even though he says, "What must I do to to inherit eternal life?" He's saying, "Well, it's about relationship. It's about loving God with everything I've got and loving the people around me, loving my neighbor as myself. It's about this relationship." Well, he, uh, uh, Jesus says, hey, that's, that's great, good job, and turns to, and he's, he's you know, I'm not done, uh, I, I want to kind of ask a follow-up question, I want to look good around, uh, so he says, who is my neighbor? And, and Jesus' response is this famous story, and, and, and inherent in that question, uh, uh, who is my neighbor, this man is really asking a question that I think probably is on all of our minds at some time or another, and that is, if there is a neighbor I must love, isn't there a non-neighbor that I don't have to love? Uh, who is my neighbor? Or really we're saying, uh, who isn't my Who can I exclude from this list? Uh, who are the people that I really have to love? Uh, how far does this love is kind stuff really have to go? And Jesus tells a story. And uh, this, this man is heading down from Jerusalem to Jericho and this section of the road was referred to as the way of blood because it was a dangerous road known for robbers and muggings and this man was indeed robbed and he was stripped naked and he was beaten and he was left half dead or as good as dead and, and then three different characters encounter the same scene and the first two can't be bothered to stop, a priest and a Levite and their religious leaders who, who served at the temple, right? And, and, and uh, they, they, a lot of those folks lived in Jericho about, uh, about 15 miles away and they would travel this road back and forth and uh, they were probably... Uh, leaving their duties in the temple and going back home. And, and uh, so their instinctive response was to pass by on the other side. Uh, I mean, an interaction with, with the dead or the almost dead uh, would have, would have been, uh, meant that they were going to be unclean and then they'd have to go through this time-consuming process to uh, purify themselves again. And, and uh, they'd been away from home for a while while they'd been serving in Jerusalem and they were ready to get... Uh, all of these things probably factored in. Whatever reason, whether it was fear of getting involved or... or or fear of maybe the robbers are still around close by, or fear of contamination, or, or maybe they're, they're just busy, consumed with their own plans. The, the priest and the Levite crossed on the other side. 
I mean, they probably weren't bad people. They were just busy. And at, uh, at, at, at this point in the story, uh, Jesus then gives a big twist. And he says, but a Samaritan. And the, the people listening to him here would not have been expecting those words. They would have expected the hero of the story to rise out of the, uh, uh, out of the Jewish uh, uh, population, not a Samaritan. Uh, to a Jew, there would be no such thing as a good Samaritan. We think of that all the time, right, because of the story. But, but to them, putting the two words together, good and Samaritan, they just didn't go together. Samaritans had intermarried with non-Jews and they had defiled the temple and they had distorted the book of the law and they had degraded worship. And, and so people went miles out of their way to not step foot in Samaria. And yet Jesus used a Samaritan in this story to enlarge the pool of potential targets in answer to the question, who is my neighbor? But even at that, it's not his nationality that sets him apart. It's how he embodied kindness. Kindness sees someone. That's, that's the first thing here. When he saw him. The, the Samaritan uh, saw this person in need. I, I'm not sure that we notice all the times that we should be kind. Because we just get busy. And we, it's not that we're being mean or anything like that. We just feed through life and we don't necessarily see the opportunities that, that we can love people in kindness. Kindness sees. Kindness slows down and, and notices the opportunities around us. I, I, I think we could say that, that these first two guys noticed as well. I mean, it says they saw him, right? And they passed by, but they, they didn't let the need slow them down. The Samaritan saw the need and took pity on him. The word for pity, uh, here's another one of those Greek words, that, and, and this is just a, ah, oh, man, splagnizomai. That's a great one. Splagnizomai. It's the word for pity. I, I, pity is a lot easier to say. But uh, splagnizomai actually means the inward parts, and it really means uh, specifically the inner organs. So it's talking about the heart and the lungs and the liver and the kidneys and the intestines. That's what pity means. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, well today we might say uh, that, uh, well, basically they would look at those inward parts. And back then in that culture, that was kind of where your emotions were, down deep inside, the inner part. We would just say, and I don't know why we've gotten rid of the intestines and we just say heart, but uh, uh, we've gotten rid of all that other stuff and just say, and, and somehow it's fine and good to talk about uh, your heart. And that's where kind of the seat of the emotions, where we feel everything deep down inside your heart. Well, they would say deep down inside your intestines, I guess. So I don't know how that plays out theologically, but, but uh, that's just where they were at. And, and, and so this, uh, he had pity on him. He felt something deep inside. I, I, you could probably use the word compassion or care or empathy. Walking down that road, the Samaritan uh, didn't see anything that the other two didn't see, but he felt something they didn't feel. He empathized with him. And so we have to ask ourselves, if love is kind, how am I doing at empathy? Am I, am I really seeing someone and allowing that to affect me? Uh, it's an important part of kindness. Maybe, maybe that's what distinguishes the difference between kindness and just being nice. I mean, kindness goes deeper. Uh, so, some have said, and, and uh, 
that, that kindness and niceness might look a lot the same on the surface, but they actually come from two completely different places. Many times, uh, kindness is rooted in love and is centered on truly helping the other person. So centered on, how can I help you? Being nice, most of the time, is rooted in fear and focused on myself. I'll be nice to you so that you'll think better of me or so that I can gain favor in your eyes or so that I can have control in this situation. Uh, Many times being nice can be disingenuous or dishonest and we might say something with a smile on our face and we're really nice but inside we're not really thinking all that kind of a thought. We're nice someone to their face but not so nice elsewhere. And so don't confuse kindness with just being nice. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 says, love is patient, love is nice. Sounds a little different, right? It's not just being nice. Kindness might mean doing nice things sometimes, but love isn't always nice. Love is kind. Love may have to say or do the hard thing that someone needs, not just the nice thing that they want. Maybe there's a whole sermon right in there. Love is kind. The Samaritan saw the need and cared. And that led to action. Kindness sees someone and kindness does something. The good Samaritan took action right away. He did what he could with what he had in that moment. Uh, it wasn't convenient. It, it hadn't been on this guy's agenda for the whole day. But he, he didn't just see the need and feel bad. He did something about it. Now, the Samaritan did not have a first aid kit in the glove box of his donkey. So, so but it says that he bandaged, bandaged the guy's wounds. Where did he get the bandages? Well, this, uh, he, I mean, all intents, if we just read through here over and over again, what I've read is folks are pretty much in agreement that he tore up his own clothes in order to bandage this guy's wounds. And it sounds like he had some pretty extensive wounds. Um, it, this guy didn't have any clothes left. He was, he was stripped naked. So, so, uh, the, uh, the, the good Samaritan used his own clothes to make some, some makeshift bandages. And, and then he unpacked his own wine and oil and used them on the guy's wounds. Now, wine was used as an antiseptic and, and would clean things out. And, and olive oil uh, was used and still is used with, for its soothing and healing properties even to this day. And so, so he, he, he used what he had in the moment in order to bring relief. Then this Samaritan gave up his own comfort by putting this guy on his own donkey and so he walked while this guy rode probably, and we don't know where this happened in this 15 mile stretch, but let's say he walked half the distance, seven, seven, ten miles uh, down the road, uh, this notorious road. Uh, this time he's a reviled foreigner leading a donkey carrying an injured Jewish man. So I'm thinking it would have been a lot like a Native American riding into Dodge City in the Old West with a scalping victim draped over his horse. Right? People would have, would have seen that and acted and asked questions later. Uh, he's taking, literally taking his life into his own hands. But he did that because love is kind. This, he's acting on empathy and going out of his way to be deeply kind and he did what he could with what he had in the moment. What do I have? Well, I've got a shirt I can tear up to, to bandage your wounds. I've got some wine and oil to put some, some salve on there to, to help out a little bit. I've, I've got a donkey so, so that I can carry, I'm doing what I can with what I have. Pastor Gary Inrig asked this, this question, am I concerned about calculating the limits of love or about helping hurting people. 
The Lord wants us to seize the opportunity. And I think that's what the the Good Samaritan did in this situation. He seized the opportunity. Are you willing to be inconvenienced by love and to seize the opportunity? I'm sure we'd all say yes. When asked that, oh yes, I would be inconvenienced and, and do all that. I think that the extent of our love determines the extent of our kindness. How much we really love someone uh, determines how much we're going to be kind to them. 1 Corinthians 13 doesn't say that love is kind just with the people in our families or love is kind just with our close friends. It just simply says love. God's brand of love, uh, if we're going to be like God, uh, God's brand of love is kind. And so God is kind and we need to be kind. We need to love our neighbor, uh, which, which could even include our enemies. It could include people that inconvenience us. Love is kind, and kindness does something. Kindness sees someone, kindness does something, and kindness also costs something. There's always a cost to kindness. I mean, it sounds good to, oh, be kind, and we're going to be kind, and and that's all. But if you really think about it, there's always a cost to be paid for kindness. Uh, What did kindness cost the Good Samaritan? Well, first off, it cost him his shirt, right? Uh, He tore up his own shirt. It cost him some wine and oil. It cost him a long walk on a dangerous road. It cost him two denarii, which uh, one denarii was was about a a day's wages. And so a couple of days' wages, factor that up, how much you make in a day, and uh times two that's how much it cost him uh and and whatever he had to pay when he came back through after the guy was uh, uh had been and helped out maybe the biggest cost was his time who knows where the samaritan might have been going but he certainly uh, got there later than he was going to get there uh it looks like it, he probably lost a night's sleep as he cared for this guy's wounds and and and, and you have to notice that there was no expectation here uh, on the Samaritan's part that he was going to get reimbursed, that he was going to get paid back. I'll, yeah, I'll give you my receipts and you can, uh, you know, when you get back on your feet again, why don't you pay me back? Uh, it, it was selfless kindness. Love is kind. Sounds simple. Maybe not so much because kindness always costs something. So be kind. There we go. Wrap it up, right? Be kind. Isn't that the conclusion that we've come to uh, in, in this story? I mean, we, we, uh, we read the story, the Good Samaritan, then Jesus sums it all up and says, go and do likewise. And so we read that to be, go and be nice most of the time. And you see somebody, if you notice something on your uh, trek, on your journey in life, uh, maybe you should lend a helping hand from time to time if it doesn't put you out too much. It's kind of, I mean, being a good Samaritan is kind of, um, well, it makes the news a lot of times because it's not necessarily common. (laughs) Be kind. There's a whole lot more to it than that. Jesus tells this story in answer to a question. It's in the context of a conversation. Uh, The story answers the question, who is my neighbor? And that question was asked because uh, Jesus said we need to love our neighbor. And so when he says, go and do likewise, he's saying, go and love. Not just go and do some nice stuff every once in a while. Go and love. And love is kind. It should look like this. It sees people. It does something. And it costs something. But that's the way that God has loved you. 
And that's the way you need to love the people in your life. Let's stand together. Father God, we thank you again for your love for us. It's your kindness that leads us to relationship with you. Your kindness that saw us while we were still sinners and sent Christ to die for us. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't just dismiss uh, this story as a, as a common story that we've heard before or an encouragement to be nice every once in a while, but Lord, I pray that we can recognize that kindness goes so much deeper and extends so much further. Help us not to be so busy that we miss out being kind. Lord, I pray that we can uh, walk this out in our, in our relationships and our families. Lord, be, between husband and wife, help us to be kind. Even if we disagree, even if there's a, there's a conflict or, or circumstances uh, that, that, that might uh, cause a, a problem, Lord, I pray that you can, that kindness would rule the day and that our love would be kind and gracious. I pray uh, for relationships between parent and child, that it would go both ways, that we can be kind uh, to our children and kind to our parents. I pray, Lord, that our kindness would extend into our work and into our school, that you would help us to, uh, to say and do the things that, that would love people with kindness, even if they don't deserve it, even if it's not someone we see eye to eye with all the time. And Lord, I, I pray that, that you would lead us to opportunities, that you would open our eyes to opportunities where we can love with your kind of love, that we can be kind uh, in, in the ways that you desire us to be kind and that it would make a difference and would draw people to you. Lord, I pray that it would be natural, that, that you would naturally be forming your kindness. And just as you're, you're continuing to form and grow our patience, I pray that, that the same would be true of our kindness. That in circumstances where we might be quick-tempered or, or, uh, or uh, say something out of, out of uh, anger or spite, Lord, I pray that you'll help us to hold our tongue and develop that kindness and that graciousness. That when we, that when we see the need, we would be filled not with uh, irritation, but with compassion that we can love people the way you love. I pray that even though it costs something, that we can be willing uh, to, uh, to extend your kindness and your love and your grace. And I pray that as we go today, that you would go with us, that you would love people through us. We thank you for this opportunity to draw near to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.